Hello, I am Trevina Wilson and I'm a business and emotional intelligence strategist and welcome to the Gettys Leadership Podcast. If you are an entrepreneur, startup or business owner, then the Gettys Leadership Podcast is just for you. Every week, I will be discussing tips you can use to improve your emotional intelligence leadership, well-being and business. I will show you how to achieve success by using the tools you already have. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Mac McDonald. Hello. <laughs> how are you? Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how are very, you? Very, very good, thank you. Good. So, All well, yeah, especially in this lovely weather. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. In this beautiful weather that we have. So... One thing I like about you is that you are passionate about helping other people perform their best. And you've had 22 years in the British Army as a military training instructor. You also have a degree in emotional intelligence. You now have your own company where you are um, training managers to show empathy and duty of care to their colleagues. Your company is called LAPD Solutions. And you also have created the Moccasins Approach and the Moccasins Manager to help organizations see the benefit of having emotional intelligence and how it unites people and improve their performance. So thank you so much for being a guest today. <laughs> It's nice to see you. Yeah. <laughs> Hope that was a good introduction of everything you've been doing, kind of summarised all the amazing work that you have been doing. Indeed it does, thank you. Mm. So do you want to explain a little bit about how um, your journey started and what inspired you to, to do what you're currently doing now, which is with the LAPD Solutions? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to, thank you. Um, I think it was many, many years ago uh, where I was actually in the army serving um, in Germany and every year you used to get a confidential report, just like an annual report, just to say about your performance and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the points that the commanding officer um, had written about me and he said his troops would follow him anywhere, mm -hmm. which is one of the best compliments that you could get, you know, when you're sort of running as a sergeant major looking after lots and lots of people. Mm -hmm. And it was something that kept coming back and it, it then started to intrigue me. And I was at a, a sort of large conference one time about training and somebody got talking about this very thing. And they said, it's about how you engage with people. It's not so much about how you treat them. It's more about how you engage with them. You seem to know everybody. You seem to know their own circumstances. Instead of just saying all those people in that squadron over there and all those people in that squadron, you seem to know people on a basic level. So you understand their sort of feelings and how they feel about life. And it wasn't something I was conscious of. It was something I also did almost accidentally, but the proof of the pudding, you might say, was that it really worked very well. So that's really the first start of it. And I think after that, when I really realized what was going on, I think I tried to do it a bit more. And so I made it a point that if we got a new soldier or a new officer into the regiment, I would start finding out a bit more about them so I could understand things from their perspective, how they felt about things. And then gradually, um, I had an incident once years after I left the army where basically I lost my temper about something and I got into a bit of a, a verbal altercation with this person. And it was only afterwards when I thought back about it, it wasn't necessarily 
his fault that I got so angry, which might sound a bit odd because if we think about why something gets us angry, that's absolutely fine. We can understand that's a trigger that's getting someone angry, but how do we behave because of that emotion we're having? That's a whole different thing. Theoretically, we have got the ability to behave well or poorly. Uh, and that's something we see in society, I think, a lot, you know, and it's no different in the corporate world. So I think that's what really got me going. Well, it sounds like you were able to tap into your own emotional intelligence quite early. Did, yours, did you already know what you were kind of feeling when you were able to recognise that, it, you know, it wasn't, it was kind of your emotions that were getting quite angry? Yeah, I think on that particular incident, it, it was interesting because when I got home, I was in a car at the time and I got home after the, the end of the journey and I was sat there thinking about it. And what really bugged me was that I thought if my son had been brought home to me by a police officer and the police officer said, your son has just done this, I'd have been really quite annoyed about my son's behaviour. And yet there was I exhibiting that very behaviour myself. So it really made me think hard and long about, well, why did I allow myself to do that? If I'm so well principled and I've got morals, et cetera, and ethics, how on earth did I manage to let myself go like that? What was it that started it? And of course, it was what this other person had done that infuriated me, but I didn't hold in check the behaviors of the emotion I was feeling. And I think that was the sort of, that was the moment when I started thinking there's something more here. So I looked into it and I discovered this term emotional intelligence, firstly with Daniel Goleman mm. as one of the guys who's attributed to bringing it into the public domain. Yes, it is amazing. And that's why I'm quite passionate about everyone trying to kind of improve their own emotional intelligence, because once you recognize your emotions and able to manage other people's emotions as well, you increase your success your performance, whether in your personal and your professional life as well. So with the experience of you having 20 years in the army and now doing the amazing work that you're doing, what has been the most memorable um, moment from the work that you have done? I think I'm going to cheat and, and say there were two. Um, one very short one was when I was running a, a program with a, a very large uh, organisation that sells furniture and carpets in the UK. You won't take much guessing who they are, but I maybe shouldn't say their name. And it was um, a manager from Glasgow. I was running the course in England at the time. And she came and chatted to me afterwards and said, it really resonated what I was talking about with triggers. You know, what triggers somebody's anger, frustration, sadness, whatever it might be. And the follow-on behaviours people have because of those emotions. And then she started telling me that she had this problem with one of her staff. And basically, they just didn't get on. They clashed. And every time they spoke, what happened was they ended up in an argument of some sort and she said it just wasn't good. You know, she had to do something about it. And I said, well, the good thing is, you know, you've got to do something about it. But what you'll probably find you're doing is we're going back to when we were kids. So, for example, if you and I were having a bit of an argument, um, what happens is eventually we start receiving pretty much anything the other person says as attacking because we want to be able to attack back. And it's that sort of mindset that we sometimes develop because we've had a personality clash with somebody and it can quite often be found between different levels. So between me and my manager or me and a, a leader or something like that. Um, but the biggest impact I think I got was from the master's research. And I had a cohort of people, very kind volunteers who said, yes, we'll go through a year long program with you. And you can interview us before we start. You can interview us during the middle of it. And then you can interview us afterwards and we'll see how things have changed in terms of leadership and management. Uh, both in how they were receiving leadership and management and how they too were managing and leading others. 
And just to make it clear, none of these people were leaders, but when we teach leadership, we talk about the fact that you do not have to be a leader to lead. You don't have to be a manager to manage. Anyone can manage anything. So for example, on this particular webinar that you're currently hosting, you're leading it. You know, so if I was running it, I'd be leading it. So it's a very small example, but mm -hmm. from that research at the end of it, I think I was hoping to get very good positive results as we all do from research. But in fact, these just exceeded my wildest dreams because these people came out with huge stories, impactful stories about how it had changed their world in their working environment. And because they had sort of cascaded on some of the training they'd received to their colleagues, which I said would be a good idea because then they can understand the mechanics of it. Um, the whole thing started working on their relationships and they just got these fantastic relationships blooming. And what was lovely was one of them particularly did a lot of work with outside organizations that supported their organization. And she said, some of those meetings used to be really fraught, but she says, now I'm looking forward to going to them because I've kind of spread the theme of how we should be operating and they've adopted it. So those relationships blossomed and we got better, we got better productivity, less problems, much more done, much more quickly. So it was quite fascinating to listen to all the, the good things that have come out of that and the minimal things that weren't quite the positives because some of them would say it was very challenging, you know, about trying to let me decide how much to give you about my inner feelings and emotions, etc. can sometimes be quite challenging with some people. So yeah, I think that's probably the highlight was the research results. That's fantastic. And I've personally seen the results of having emotional intelligence leadership. But why do you think it's so important to you that organisations do have the importance of emotional intelligence leaderships in their organisations and also in their businesses? Mm, yeah. Um, I think the, the main thing for me is, uh, yeah, there's, there's a way of managing where you can sort of manage with an iron fist. You can say, I want this done, I want it done now, and I don't care what's going on, get me these results, get me these figures, get me these goals and all the rest of it. Um, and with a very, a very strong leader who just says, I'm demanding and I need this and I want it now, they will probably get that. So the organization technically is happy because they're getting that. But what we always say to people like that, you say, I don't need emotional intelligence. I just tell them to get it done, they get it done. What they haven't thought of is, well, actually, what could I achieve if I had used more emotional intelligence, if I really did engage with my people, if I really recognized and empathized with how they feel things are in their world? You know, so we, we can do far more and be far more truly connected with people if we use this moccasin approach that we talk about, where you literally sort of sit in their seat, or as the old expression was, you walk a mile in their moccasins or their shoes. <laughs> Because we need to understand how their world feels for them. Not from our perspective, because that's where we're missing things. It's got to be from their perspective. It's got to be from how they feel things are. And very often, as a manager or a leader or even as a team leader, you know, and I think no one particularly senior, we can have an effect on someone else's behavior without even realizing it. And I think for me, that's one of the key things. If an organization says, well, why should we really do it? And I usually go and I chat to them at some length to help them understand just how much of a difference this can make. Because just because I sit down and, for example, chat with you and we start understanding each other a lot better, it, it stands to reason the relationship's going to be better. 
and you will feel far more open to challenge me on things or say actually Maka disagree with that because you know I'm not going to come back and bite your head off because you've disagreed you know so that side of the thing I think is the, the main aspect for organizations yeah and, and I think it's it's one of the things I really liked about your Mugson manager is because you are training managers and showing them the effect, the positive effects they can have when they are showing empathy, when they are caring, when they are listening to the people that they're working with. Um, I feel there's quite a big connection between well-being and emotional intelligence. What's your thoughts on it? Do you feel that they go hand in hand? Have you seen the benefits of when people are more engaged in their emotional intelligence that their well-being then does improve as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a fantastic question because it, it resonates so, so closely with it. Mm. I mean, I mean, we about to touch on just what is the top thing in the UK at the moment. But um, I, I certainly remember a few years ago when I researched this, stress was the number one thing why people were all sick and especially long term sick. And for me and all the experience I've had in organizations, what I've found is that, say, for example, you're running a team of, of just six people. You know, usually those six people and yourself are busy. So if one or God forbid two of them are off sick because of long-term stress, that means you've lost a large percentage of your workforce and everybody else, including yourself, has to carry that. And that, again, you know, causes more stress. Um, so I think what we need to do in the organization is when we introduce EI, we need to make sure they understand that by employing EI and all the powerful approaches that we can use, it actually reduces stress. There's mm. a term we use called social stress, which is where um, it's like the source of stress we take from the interactions we have with others. So again, it doesn't matter whether they're senior, junior, colleagues, same level. It's just anything we get from that discussion or that interaction with another person or people, uh, and sometimes even other teams, that can cause us stress. Um, I've had an experience where there was a, a, a person in one team who every week had to go to the other team to meet one of those people and they had a chat to see how they could get things going. And, and we instituted this and we called it best practice management. So you didn't have to be a manager to do it, but you went, meant, went sort of met with other people in other teams to see how you could get the teams to work closer together. And in this particular case, it just wasn't working. And it was only afterwards when there was a lot of discussion and some very open discussions that they discovered that these two had had a huge fallout about two years before never forgiven each other and in fact when we got them to sit down and chat and really sort of unload and say exactly what they felt it turned out that even they thought it was ridiculous mm. but you know it's it's that side of things all that stress was there for ages and because of the dysfunction between the two teams it was causing more stress for the people in each team for the managers of each team and they just weren't getting 100 percent mm. so i think good emotional intelligence practices basically eradicate this it's not a magic wand uh, but it does create more openness and more honesty it permits the authenticity which is hugely important we need to be ourselves and when we close ourselves down because we don't feel we can say certain things or we can't do certain things that causes us more stress mm. um, and, and i think it's got to be a transparency that we allow to spread across the organization where possible and, and this is where we come on to another point that leaders need to step up and, and show why it's important because I think the more that we see our senior people doing things like that, the more it encourages us to open up and do things ourselves. And in the aspect of social awareness within emotional intelligence, it's where we get to know all we can about others, but we also allow them to get to know about us too. And, you know, this is sometimes 
something, as I said earlier, that some people find very easy to do, but others find it very challenging. And I think that's my main point about emotional intelligence. On paper, it's really quite straightforward. It's nothing complex. The real challenge comes to the human behavior of saying, here's me, here's me being very open. And I'm asking you to challenge me whenever you like. And some people don't like that. You know, and especially, and I'm not being just about for the senior leaders, but if you've been in a senior role for a long time, you kind of get used to being the person that says here how things should go. Yeah. And you don't expect or maybe want to get challenged. Yeah. Um, and I think also we can, we can flex our styles of communication to meet others. So if I know you very well and I know how you like to be communicated to, I'll make an effort to try and communicate in that way with you because it'll be more efficient, more effective, and it won't trigger you into any sort of frustration and so on, and, and vice mm. versa, you to me. It just means everybody goes on better. And I think one of the... Sorry, yeah? I was going to say leaders have to lead by example. Oh, exactly, yeah. And, and this actually comes on to one of the problems that we get in the organisation is that quite often I'll be brought in and leaders say, yeah, you're absolutely right, or senior managers or even heads of HR will say, yeah, this is what we need. But it doesn't go above that. Whereas, in my opinion, the first place it should go to is the top people for them to get that understanding. Because what I'd like them to do after they've got that and understood it and thought, yeah, this is going to work, we're going to make this work, is they push it through the organization in an encouraging and motivational way. Brilliant. As referring to leading by example, what are your top tips for leading and managing remotely from home? Right, yes, yeah, very, very topical. Um, <laughs> it is at the moment, yes. <laughs> I think we've, we've all gone through a, a really big shock in, in a lot of cases where people are suddenly finding themselves working from home, which they haven't necessarily done before. My daughter's one of those people, and she's a very social girl. She loves going, chatting to people. She works very, very hard. But part of why she loves being in the office is that buzz that she gets from people. Mm. And she's very, very good at managing her team. Um, they, they chat, they sort of inspire each other. So I think there's a number of things my top tips would include active listening. So really making an effort to listen to what people are saying, but also, I know it sounds really strange, to listen to what might be between the lines of what they're saying, especially now when people are sometimes struggling at home with a lot more pressures than they would normally. I was on a webinar this morning and there was people um, discussing leadership and the future roles of leadership and agility and all the rest of it. Uh, in 14 countries across the world, it was great. For two and a half hours, I used to that. Um, but it, it's fascinating that when we start talking about things like that, there is this sudden thing about, well, yeah, because I'm feeling quite isolated. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys there had this huge ruckus where his granddaughter came running into the room to grab you know, her granddad. And there he is on this international uh, webinar. So, <laughs> and it, it was lovely, but these are the sort of challenges we're dealing with. Yeah. You know, things we're not used to. And I think the other thing that's something that I've talked to a lot of senior people when we've had discussions when all this has started happening and on the way through it, and I said, for goodness sake, have regular catch-ups with your people, mm -hmm. but make sure there's a rule that you don't talk about work. So those catch-ups are when you're talking about each other and how they're feeling. And of course, and again, you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here, that some people will quite happily say, do you know what, I'm having a really tough day and I'm actually feeling a little bit anxious about things. And other people wouldn't dare say that. So we say, look, have a, you know, the, the rag system, the red, amber, green type system and say, I'm feeling very green today, very good. Or a little bit amberish 